This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy. Hello, uh, it's Grant, and I'm really excited for my guest today, and I'm really excited that we could actually work this out between continents. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I have the creative force behind original graphic novel Howling. I have Lucy Sullivan from across the pond. Lucy, how are you? Hi, I'm very well. Um, I wish I had called it Howling, though. It's actually barking, but oh, it's very similar. <laughs> no, don't worry. It's kind of the same thing, and it's um, British slang, so I don't know how well it translates, because you get called <laughs> barking mad, but it's also Howling at the Moon, so it could have been the, either one, so, what? you know. I just maybe that's the next up. one yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> howling <laughs> the time when I just hit to the the streets at night and <laughs> howled at the moon <laughs> I mean, there was a period <laughs> yeah. exactly. and also I just gotta say I love the 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 art that you did in barking with it's just well, like thank you where the the was it the black dog or the wolf or the yeah the... it's sort of a bit of everything I think yeah just I didn't want it to be tangible, so it's just this kind of scratchy, yeah, kind of dog wolf thing. <laughs> it's perfect. I love the way you rendered that, where it's like almost amorphous. Just you get this feeling of static anxiety with it. So I thought oh, that was thank really you. Cool. Oh, thank you. It's made up of loads of like scratches and smudges, about like fifty layers. So every time it's completely different. It was this mad exercise in <laughs> photoshop layering <laughs> probably a bit too bad you know considering <laughs> the context of the book but you know it was a uh, very satisfying to make and how did you get to barking from uh your childhood whereabouts did you grow up oh uh, so i'm from london um i grew up uh, sort of a- around london also so my parents ran pubs and we really? were in, yeah, so I grew up in like a live music pub in West London in the 70s. So we had like, so quite big bands. We had the Clash play and Pink Floyd and 
people you won't know, Chaz and Dave, who are like <laughs> big time <laughs> My favourite. <laughs> babe, yeah. Uh, and that was amazing. That was in a place called Fulham, which is sort of, it, at that point, it was a really bohemian kind of area and a big area for kind of Irish and Caribbean immigrancy. So my family was wow. one of many Irish families that come there. But um, my dad met my mum he was actually what's called a 10 pound pom so he paid 10 pounds to go to australia and live there and he met my mum there and she's from new zealand so i'm this really kind of random mix of kiwi irish (laughs) (laughs) so i can really drink (laughs) that's not always a good thing you know and i just try and feed everyone if they come near me it's like <laughs> have some food have some alcohol where are you going i know it's 10 in the morning you know <laughs> but uh yeah so we grew up mainly in fulham and then shepherd's bush which is west london down the road and then um, my dad got in quite a big row with the breweries because it was the 80s and it was moving away from like live music pubs and into kind of wine bars and stuff oh really and yeah he was not a fan so he actually threw a chair at his boss (laughs) so that was that (laughs) they were still with the brewery because they're contracted but we got sent to all like the worst pubs in london and um i we moved to a flat in a really awful park called Croydon which sorry to Croydon people but it's like there's this idea that it should be a city in itself because it's massive area um but it's so awful it should just be walled I think and just like (laughs) a a flyover (laughs) goes over the top I'd like to just wave past it whenever I go (laughs) I don't want to ever go there how much time did you spend in Croydon Oh, like nine years or something, I think. It's just like, yeah, it was just one of... My mum and I call them the dark years. (laughs) We just (laughs) try not to refer to it too much. But, yeah, so it was like... it was. But at that point, we had another pub that my parent... My dad went in with a friend. They bought a pub in North London, King's Cross, which is like a really, really grotty area at that point. But it's really nice now. Um, It's where, like, Google have offices now and things like that. (laughs) But then it was like prostitutes and runaways and junkies and stuff. And we had this like Aussie Kiwi pub. So all Aussies and Australians and New Zealanders getting absolutely shit-faced at the weekend. So it was infamous, (laughs) to say the least. So fun upbringing. I was going to say, that sounds incredible to be like a player yeah. on all this stuff happening. Yeah, no, often too young, you know, because I'd be sent <laughs> away, like up to the flat and be like, yeah, off you go now. The grown ups are getting drunk. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> you know, and my childhood was like just me and loads of other kids and no adults. And we had like a German shepherd dog that was like in charge. <laughs> Honestly, it's like something out of the Beano. And we would just run riot in the flat and the parents would just be downstairs drinking and God knows what else and having parties. And I just, you know, my mum was about, but I don't remember many adults being around until I was, until we moved to Croydon. And then there was always an adult around, you know, <laughs> but when we had a pub, not a lot of adults. That sounds, uh, just from a casual observer and listener, that sounds super fun. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. And we did, terrible things <laughs> I, I, hope, I know i hope my daughter 
Like she'll be a lot older when she finds out. I'll wait till she's like thirty. <laughs> so if I tell her now, she'll just do them all. You know? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> no climbing roofs and throwing eggs at people. That's not allowed. <laughs> That's not allowed, but it is kind of fun. It was amazing. We had this like really busy high street in front of the pub and a bus stop like right underneath. <sighs> And it was, oh. it was a huge pub and we'd climb up, we had like flat roofs and we could climb up the pub, go behind our big kind of concrete lion and just lob eggs <laughs> down at the bus stop. But I, you know, we left there when I was seven. So I just think now I just go, oh my God. I mean, we must have been, I don't know, like 60 foot or something. I mean, it's a big pub <clears throat> and it was a, there was a whole flat above it and then we were above that. So... God knows how no one died. <laughs> I just it's you're, you're, astonishing. You're yeah, uh, I I think I really thought I was. My sister was quite nervous, um, but I wasn't. And I mean, I was always breaking stuff, but I was still invincible, <laughs> <laughs> even with a full leg cast. <laughs> it's like <laughs> can't keep me down. And my daughter's definitely got that. I mean, she's got this like bruise up her leg at the moment she fell off a wall and it's just like every time she goes into school I think oh god they're gonna call like social <laughs> services on me again you know honestly she fell on the wall they were witnesses <laughs> and I was saying don't go on the wall <laughs> you know? yeah uh, it was a cool upbringing but definitely not one you could do now I don't think Oh, yeah, I don't think half the stuff that happened from the late 70s to the mid-80s can be can be perpetrated now. No, no, those those days are gone, sadly. <laughs> you know, they were great, but they were also quite wrong in a lot of ways. So <laughs> <laughs> they probably should go. <laughs> and what about during your childhood, did you display any artistic proclivities? I did love drawing, yeah. I, um, I used to be one of those kids that drew all over the wall and the bunk beds and and actually luckily my partner and I are both quite relaxed about it because he's uh, creative as well he's an animator and he teaches animation oh, wow. so we, we can't not allow so uh, I mean you can barely see it but the walls behind me there was like one I'm in my kitchen and there was like one wall that was just this giant chalk ghost for about two years <laughs> that my daughter drew and we the only time we took it down was after we realized we had the teachers round for a meeting for the first time we'd forgotten to take it <laughs> game round and they're like okay <laughs> so Frankie's family is interesting <laughs> like oh shit you know but she draws on everything and we just think oh well you know we haven't painted for 10 years so it just adds to the character <laughs> but yeah from a young age I always drew but I didn't I never ever thought it would be a job that was just beyond something I could I think because I I just presume I would work in a pub you know and I did I did right right into my uh late 20s I was working behind the bar so well nearly early 30s actually so yeah I just I just thought that would be my life you know running pubs and working in restaurants and stuff like that how frequently did you keep up with your art during that time period? Uh, it was hobby, you know, it would be something I would do on days off and I would, you know, I'd take nights off work and just sit at home and draw comics, actually, which really? I never, yeah, I never showed anyone. I was trying to practice just my art, just keep it up by drawing my favourite 
book at the time, which uh, was this Michael Marshall Smith book called Only Forward. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's, it's the craziest sci-fi and it's really good and it would make an amazing comic. Um, I'm not the artist to do that because I'm not good enough. <laughs> it's really complicated. But it was quite fun to just try and figure out what characters could look like and stuff like that. But I look at, I've seen those images lately and they're just so shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and everyone thought they were great. And I'm like, no, they were really really bad <laughs> but now, um, is this you just looking back on your work and saying oh no 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 they're really shit I went so I this is when I so I left college I sort of tried did okay at school tried to go to art school and just didn't have the focus so I went traveling with a friend and wanted to I was going to be a snowboarder so I was just like <laughs> went, you know the usual <laughs> the usual Went round France, found French boys. That went badly. <laughs> Came back, went to New Zealand, found New Zealand boys. That went badly. <laughs> There's a theme here. <laughs> but uh, I had a great time in New Zealand, actually, and worked bars and snowboarded and rock climbed and stuff. But when I was there, my dad died. And that's sort of part of what Barking's about, because I came back. I had this like huge breakdown and then went back to art school. And from that, learned, I did a degree in illustration and animation, and it really changed the way I drew. And it was very drawing-based, like very technically based, and it just elevated my work massively. So right. it is genuinely painful to look back at the stuff I did before that and go, oh, God, I had, you know, I couldn't draw hands properly or anything. <laughs> you know, it's just it's kind of mortifying. <laughs> it's amazing to hear whenever I talk to an artist who did art and then worked in animation it's like they it's almost a level leveling up yeah in their understanding of technique and form and like kinetic action and stuff like that yeah definitely especially I did hand-drawn animation and the um uni I went to I was lucky they did a thing called location drawing where you go out just out and about so you go to the galleries around London and we went to like cities in Spain and New York and you um you just draw what you see. You draw the theatres, the people, the cars and everything. And you have to draw it on site there and then, like not from photos. Oh, geez. So, yeah, it's quite something. And it's something I still practice. And it, so you learn this technique of blind drawing where you're looking at the subject and not at the, at the paper. And it's a really, it produces a really amazing kind of unique line and gives you that kind of observational skill. But for animating, it really teaches you how people stand and those kind of weird angles people have like you know you draw in a gallery and everyone stands in a really similar way like hands behind their back or mm -hmm. folded arms leaning back and you start picking up poses and I think that helps a lot with comics as well because you're always looking for that key pose of how to get something across in just one one moment through through the pose or you know and how that can translate into the next one to bring it some drama you know and what about did comics enter your life? I read them from a very young age. So we had, obviously at the pub, we had live-in staff and they had their books and videos and things. So I had access. I was reading Viz, which is quite a rude British comic with like, there's like, two female characters called Fat Slags and a slag <laughs> is like a loose woman. <laughs> I was reading that. 
from very young age. And I think there's there's one like Billy something who basically has these enormous testicles that he has to push oh, around. As one does. <laughs> you know, push around in a wheelbarrow. And this is stuff I was reading at five, you know, which <laughs> probably shouldn't be. But I found like, you know, Asterix and Calvin and Hobbes and watched loads of cartoons. So I think for me, it was always comics and cartoons. You know, it was always oh, yeah. a, a mixture together. And I never, st- I never really stopped. I don't think there was ever a point where I wasn't reading some kind of comics. It just went through different stages. You know, I had sort of 2000 AD and deadline stages, like UK comics, and then found manga um, in the early days when they had oh, like, gosh. like here we were getting it through Viz actually, the, who were bringing it over. And um, it was all kind of like apple seed and Akira and you know some really amazing stuff when you look back on it but it's a really dodgy anime <laughs> I mean it's just some really graphic well, anime, anime. Or hentai? <laughs> well you know <laughs> <laughs> there's that one the demon something or other that's just this is like monster demon with an enormous penis and it does all these things and we're just yeah. you know as one does stoned watching it going what is this <laughs> do do i like it i don't know do i like it is it weird is this okay <laughs> i don't know you know but i mean i saw akira at the cinema and it just oh, was wow. astonishing not not the first time it came out okay. but they had reruns and there's a really great cinema here in london so if you ever come there's a place called the Prince Charles and they do brilliant sort of lineup of reruns and they do like Rocky Horror Picture Show and they have like a full cast thing sometimes and it's a really just a great night um, where they do like Akira seasons and things like that so we got to see Akira and that was in the 90s so it wasn't like it was old or anything and it just blew my mind you know and just that was I think one of the points where I was like oh, I wish I could do that you know, but it never occurred to me you could go to uni and study it, you know. But uh, that came later, at least. So. so, like, when did you have that revelation where you're like, oh, I can make art my career? Not until, so after, after I had that breakdown, I went and got therapy. So I was 23 when my dad died. And it took, like, nearly two years to realise that I'd been in really full-on depression and mm-hmm. um, got some help. And a friend of mine at the time, in fact, an old friend who I was having quite a lot of problems with, and she was the, she's actually the dead friend in Barking. Oh! <laughs> she's, she's still alive. <laughs> we kind of fell out for years, and uh, we've sort of become friends again. But it's really awkward, because I don't know if she's ever read the book, and I doubt she'll realise it's her. But if she does, it's going to be really hard conversation but anyway <laughs> cross that bridge when it falls down in my face you know? but she'd gone back to uni and she was doing <clears throat> excuse me she was doing fine art and I was just kind of really like oh okay this is interesting and I was still drawing and the therapist had seen was seeing was I mean he was kind of useless he was just sort of obsessed with our pub and wanted to ask questions I know so we <laughs> no one can see, but Grant's giving me this, what? <laughs> like, yeah. 
let's talk Britain. about your past. More, uh, well, it, more specifically, let's talk about, let's talk about uh, your, like, the pub. Yeah, well, it's because with so this Aussie Kiwi pub, we'd put sawdust down on the floor, and it was to soak up like the, all the vomit and right. booze and cigarette butts. But he just got it in his head that it was some sort of like cowboy bar where like shots are being like flung across and everyone's like knocking and it's like no mate it's like hammered 20 somethings puking green vomit everywhere this is not this is not classy or a western it's like it's proper boozy chaos therapist yeah i know i had moments where i was like because <laughs> I, I did it privately and it cost me i was paying for it out of my wages uh. and it cost me a lot of money it was like 150 quid a session it was like just huge amounts of money but uh yeah he was the real deal but i just think they're a bit shit <laughs> you know i haven't ever you know I, I got the most out of it by doing a workbook like a, a cognitive behavioral therapy book and going back to art you know so it was when i went back to art school and i redid my what would be a kind of we call it a foundation year here so it's like before you go to art school, you do a year or two of trying out every type of art to just okay. see where your strength lies. And it's an amazing thing to do because you get to do pottery and photography and filmmaking and jewellery and all sorts. And um, I got kind of really lucky. I had a tutor who, although his specialism was graphic design, he spoke to me a lot about my interest in animation and he started setting me projects personally that were more leaning towards that. So he sent me like a storyboard project or something like that. So I could have to start exercising that kind of interest. And he pushed me to go to the uni I went to. So it's called Kingston School of Art. And it's one of the top in the country for um, illustration and animation. And uh, he pushed me to it. And then his colleague was like, yeah, but you won't get in. (laughs) Thanks for the support. I know he really was a dick as well. And I did get in, so I was like, yeah, ah! in, your, in your face, Richard. <laughs> His name was Richard? Yeah, he exactly. He was an actual dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although always Richard, never dick, just from the student's perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was, it was a, you know, even getting in there, I just, I couldn't think, I thought I'd still be working in bars and stuff, but somehow it's, I managed to kind of, eke a career career out of it (laughs) not it's not a well-paid career but it's you know I'm eking it out somehow and I have been now for about oh god 15 years no god I'll be getting closer to 20 soon but from animation and then I moved into comics sort of 2017 after I had my daughter and you know that two years of your life just sort of slip through your fingers because you have a baby (laughs) yeah yeah so but I still I still don't know if I feel confident that I have a career in it does that make sense (laughs) (laughs) you're still like am I making this work I don't know maybe I need to just go work in a pub again or well become a gardener (laughs) if some if some uh dipshit in the states knows your book i think that that's a, a pretty good <laughs> thank you pretty good indication <laughs> that you're doing okay yeah yeah okay yeah that's a good point thank you appreciate yeah, it oh no i'm glad to be that dipshit don't worry about <laughs> it and thank you to all my dipshits <laughs> <laughs> and earlier when we were talking about uh the 
the actual barking monster. You alluded to it was primarily Photoshop. You're work- working digital. No, it was all physical. Oh my um, gosh. So it's all drawn uh, with biro and carbon paper. I've actually have I got some with me. I've got some here. Not that anyone can see, but it's like carbon typewriter sheets. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. People might be too young. I mean, you can see, you can hear it. There you go. Just a little technical bit for you. So they're like really thin bits of like pieces of paper with carbon on one side. And um, you put it down so your board is black, essentially. Right. And then I use dip pens and sharpen sticks. And like the dog is like my, my fingernail, literally like scratching. Really? <laughs> yeah, the carbon. And I'll ball it up and just like rub it on. It's a really physical way to work and really pleasing. And it sort of means that you can't be, I wanted it to be a really loosely drawn book. I didn't want it to be uptight or anything because mm-hmm. it was like those drawing straight in. So a lot of the drawings are totally unmanipulated in films of what they look like. They were drawn straight off the bat, like with the biro, but I'd have to draw it maybe like four or five times to get the one I wanted. So it was a really uneconomical way to make a comic. <laughs> but Absolutely fascinating though. It was so weird to, a way to do it, but I don't know. It just sort of, it just made sense at the time because it was so personal because it's based on kind of the breakdown I had and how I felt and I was getting depression again which is why I I did it so I wanted to be honest I just wanted to just draw it and let it kind of come out but I had this kind of loose structure and script but yeah I mean I'd never make anything like that again it was just too too (laughs) long-winded too too unstructured but a really great thing to get to do once you know at least are you still working traditional mostly yeah 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 so actually i ended up going because i used photoshop to lay it out so what i can't wasn't any good at was coming up with i can't draw into grids or boxes like i'm a really messy artist anyway so the idea of like getting it right first time is just terrifying to me. And I, the whole grid system I admire, but it gives me the heebie-jeebies big time. So what I tend to do is uh, for barking, I would just sketch on kind of big sheets, scan it, and then lay it out in Photoshop on the page. So And then I'd put my, when I did put panels in, I'd put them in after. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no, totally cheating. But the panels themselves are just like, they're hand-drawn lines. And I just have this like bank of them. And I choose which line I thought worked with which sketch. So each spread is individually designed. So no two spreads are the same. And I still sort of do that, which I kind of really enjoy that sort of last bit of slotting them in and kind of, mixing the lines and letting the artwork kind of cut between it and stuff. And that's quite pleasing. But otherwise it's still hand-drawn and I'd gone really Photoshop heavy on a couple of projects. Like a most recent one for Jeff Lemire that I just did, I went way too complex on the artwork. It's, you know, I'm trying to like impress Jeff (laughs) as you would. Right. And it's a really, everything's done. I, I wrote it as well he asked me to write it and draw it oh, no and i realized yeah you're right you know <laughs> and i wrote a really complicated script and only when i wrote it and went sat down to draw it i went oh fuck what well, how am i going to draw this it was just like jesus christ but 
I went really Photoshop heavy, so too many layers. I, it was all hand-drawn stuff. It's some digital colour, but it's just the volume of layering to get the kind of effects I wanted. Stupid. So my next one, I'm just doing carbon and watercolour. <laughs> <Like, laughs> At least that's it. what you're telling yourself just, now. That's what I'm saying to myself, <laughs> and I'm holding on to it. But, it, I mean, I'll end up doing something because there's some fantastical elements to it so I'm bound to like want to bring in something but we'll see hopefully not too many (laughs) (laughs) would you ever try just doing strictly digital Mm. I did it I did it for a comic um indexed which I did with a friend of mine Fraser Campbell so Fraser wrote it and um, he approached, well, in fact, he put a call out on Twitter because the artist who was going to do it with Anna Redman, she was finishing her degree and she just couldn't do it. She's amazing. Like, watch out for her. She's, I think she's doing stuff for 2018 now. Oh, her right stuff on. is just awesome, you know. But she was, like, flat out on her degree and Fraser put a call out saying, you know, who fancies, like, coming on board? And I was like, oh, I'd, I'd do it. And we were sort of mates and stuff. And he was like, great, let's go for it. And I just finished barking. So I'd done with like black and white stuff and hand drawn and I had an iPad and Procreate and I'd been messing about on it. And I'd done this kind of oil painting course where you learn how to paint colour spots. It sounds really random, but a shadow into a kind of shadowy thing. They're often color wise it's like it's not black it's like a deeper red or so it, it was this amazing course where you learn about looking really at the color and how there's like they kind of bleed things bleed into each other they don't, there's not actually these sharp lines and stuff i thought oh, that'd be a really amazing way to color a comic and naturally found like the oil brush on <laughs> procreate and the kind of charcoals and stuff and i was like oh this could work did a sketch of one of the characters in it sent it to Fraser and I was like, what do, you know, what do you reckon? And I did this like you know, 20 minutes before picking up my kid, just fucking about, drawing, yeah. sent it to him and he tweets it. <laughs> oh. It's like really great response. And then we get named in a British comic article as like like the th- things we're most looking forward to next year and it's like indexed and they use the picture and I was like oh shit so well, now I guess I'm committed. drawing it on, <laughs> on Procreate <laughs> and I thought oh it will be quicker maybe you know because I'm going straight in and all of this stuff but in the end I think it took me three times as long and it's Gosh. it's the editing side of it like with when you're drawing by hand, you know, like I, one of the reasons I use carbon is if I make a mistake, I make a mistake, it's in there. And I just kind of try not to fuck about with it and just let it be what it is. I'm not a super tight, clean artist, so just embrace that. But Procreate, you can like zoom in to the exact pixel, you know, and it was just like, oh, and I just got way too fussy. And That's what everyone says. It's yeah. Good. When the option to get so anal retentive, um, yeah, details are there. All the artists are like, "Well, I have to noodle just a little bit more." Oh, you know, and you realize <laughs> the worst is because I didn't have a huge amount of dialogue in barking, so and I lettered it myself. But phrases, you know, much more sort of verbose dialogue, yeah. you know, and there's a lot to get across. Quite high concept sci- sci-fi. And I tried to letter it and I was like, I'm out of my debt. So I just, you know, 
don't really know how to do this. And so we got Hassan Otsmane Elhel, who's, you know, like one of the <laughs> top <job>. letterers. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a good friend of Fraser's and he's like, yeah, and he did such a good job. I mean, people think I lettered it and he's so sympathetic to my artwork that people just presumed I'd done it. And you're like, his name's on the cover. <laughs> he's fully credited. But he's quite pleased about that because Hass is like, well, you know, if they, that's kind of what you want. You don't want people to feel like they're separate things right. you know yeah, yeah, yeah so but I'm always at pain to say Hassan lettered it and he did an amazing job at it um but also it's when you've spent that long <laughs> noodling on your artwork putting some massive like speech over the top of it it's like he had to place it where he had to place it and I was just like you know I spent you know two weeks drawing those faces <laughs> they've just got like massive speech bubble across them but for the good of the comic, it needed to be there. It didn't matter what those faces looked like, <laughs> you know. And it's that stuff where you go, shit, yeah. And he did the right, he did the right call, you know. Mm. But it's so hard to make that call when you spend too long. Whereas if I've drawn it quickly, I'm less fussy about that sort of thing as well. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> trying to uh, never do procreate again. Maybe for the occasional, like there's some really cool effects you can use. I like mm. the kind of light pens and stuff you can get there. So the most I might drop something in, add some effects, and then just export it and get the fuck out before I start <laughs> oil painting. Yeah, now, <laughs> you know? you, now you're just going to approach the void. You're not going to go into the void again. Yeah, I'm going to have a little peek, <laughs> and then <laughs> it stares back, and I just run the other way. <laughs> now, Lucy, I, I have a question for you. Mm. Let's say that you're minding your business, you're just walking along the park, and all of a sudden, this monstrous goose just starts descending down. And everyone else around you is scattering. But you stand still. And it, it plops down and it looks at you. And while it's making eye contact with you, it relays a message that says, I trust you enough to do the right thing. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and instead of an egg, it kind of like, goops out this silly putty looking humanoid thing mm, okay and what you have to do is you can only choose one meal to to serve this thing for the rest of its life wow and this is the once it touches this meal this is like it keys to it its body only accepts this mm. what are you going to feed this creepy looking uh jello person I mean, it sounds a lot like parenthood. <laughs> my kid eats like about two, two or three things anyway. She was pretty jelly at the start. <laughs> They're kind of goofy. <laughs> so I'm not going to say pesto because you know, I, I cook that all the time. What stuff has bagel. been thrown at me as a parent? Oh god, yeah, <laughs> everything. Oh god, what would it be? It have to be something that, like, you know, I don't have a lot of time when we're cooking. It's one meal for everyone. I'm not engaging in that silliness of uh, one meal for the child and two for the adults and one for the strange, goopy human. So <laughs> they're eating what we're eating. You know, this is the same thing. It's going to have every time. So right. when it's out of the house, it's going to try and find places that makes this as well. Ah, oh, now that gets hard, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. It's going to have to be something really simple. 
well, you want this Gumby motherfucker to be as moderately happy as possible. <laughs> yeah. Back to those high parenting aims we discussed. Moderately happy, mildly contented. I don't know. I'm kind of leaning towards, but it's not something they can get anywhere. It's like a kind of really what we eat all the time. It's like this kind of spaghetti with fresh tomatoes and we eat loads of raw garlic. Mm. I grow tomatoes and garlic, so they'd oh, at nice. least be able to get that, you know, when we if the slugs haven't got it or the foxes haven't pissed all over it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah, we got the most mangy fox in the world in our garden it's got like half a tail <laughs> it just stares at you in the morning like what are you doing here <laughs> don't you know it's time to eat i've just had a massive poo on your windowsill <laughs> thanks man so maybe it's like fox right? that's what we have to get it to eat it's the fox uh, I don't know I'd sort of be tempted to go with that because then at least I could happily live on it but there's not many places they're going to get that I mean I'm in south east London which is you know it's still quite gritty in places <laughs> you know it has character and uh, if you're going to get a meal in South East London, it's basically chicken and chips. So mm. it will be a, it's the chicken shop and you'll get it every, all over South East London. You've got to go to Morley's, get yourself a fried chicken and chips. And there you go. It's going to be hard for the gloopy human because it's going to remind them of the goose that birthed it in my hands <laughs> or on my head or whatever it was. That could be a good thing or a bad thing. It's going to help with that, you know, separation anxiety. This is like... But you you ate mummy, <laughs> so now you got you got me. And you you've got Morley's. You've got Morley's, and I reckon you know if we could teach it how to do like my daughter practices these like cute give me anything faces, Ugh. which she's like, can you say no to it? And I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> no. I know it's like you get more pleasure from saying no when they're giving you the the big cow eyes and stuff. So maybe she can teach it how to do the cow eyes. We're going to have to name it. She'll probably call it something like Gloopy. Gloopy? Or Ella. Or Ella. Everything's called Ella in our house, you know. So, although she's got a bit better, actually. Her last thing is called Nika, which I thought was like... Nika. Nika. Yeah, Nika. She's got this weird blue fox thing she's calling Nika. Yeah, she's expanding from Ella <laughs> into these made-up names. Well, I like the way you're deferring the name of your daughter. You're like, I don't, oh, yeah. don't, don't want to. She could do it. She she could name it. We're getting a we're getting a dog this year, so we're like on a on a list for a puppy. And uh, we've been talking about dog names for about five years. I swear to God. And she's always like food-based. She's like ketchup, sausage chips marmite and uh i'm like i don't I, you know you gotta picture yourself at the park shouting mm. this i don't want to be stressed at nine in the morning going catch up oh god <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> i have enough problems on the school run with the parents thinking i'm a weirdo i just don't need to be <laughs> shouting food groups around the park you know and i was like i tell you what i would I would go for something like enoki like the mushrooms right i'd be happy okay. with that because it's like obscure enough but it also sounds like a name and uh, it fits into our pompous, arty ways. So it's perfect. And then she spells it, oh no, key. So she's like, oh no, key. All right. <laughs> and you're like, okay, she's good at naming. 
And we looked it up and in Japanese you can essentially make it into translates into your machine. So we looked up Oh your, you gotta call this gloop thing you know, Onoki. Onoki. And it can be your eating machine. I've gotta find out what the Japanese is for your your gloopy machine. <laughs> I mean the dog will have to get a new name, but you know. Onoki Two. <laughs> that would be so funny. What? And they'll say, Anoki two. Where, where's Anoki one? You'd be like, uh, we're not talking about I think Anoki two ate Anoki one <laughs> with the chicken and chips as, as a side. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really solid decision because <laughs> thanks. Where in the world they can get like at at worst like a mcdonald's mcchicken and fries and they'll be like that's do you know and if they sort of beg outside with the cute face they learn from my daughter <laughs> it's a winner right it's only me that's gonna say no everyone else be like sure little fella have some <laughs> have some chicken and chips <laughs> yeah <laughs> no don't touch me <laughs> no, no, hugs. no hugs for you <laughs> we are at the part of this program where i'm gonna ask you Five questions. Cool. These are five questions we ask every guest. They're based off the James Lipton's Inside the Actor's Studio. Mm. Which, apparently, humorous guy to watch, but a real uh, jerk-off in real life. Uh, not at all surprised. <laughs> not at all. So, number one, uh, and I love this because you, you do the art and you do the writing. <clears throat> what is your favorite sequential art sound effect? Oh... What did I find recently that I was really into? So I've got some quite gruesome scenes coming up in my next one. And I'm in the writing stage and it was like a... It's like... How do I do a... And I just like making them up and it kind of... Sploosh. You know, like, how am I going to do that? It's like a... What are all these scenarios? Like, is something getting torn asunder? There's some tearing. There's some dropping of squelchy things. There's some, yeah. It's it gets quite gory at parts, (laughs) you know. And I had a lot of fun with with Jeff's with the black hammer. There was there's a there's some thwomps and thwacks and stuff. I think I most like just making them up and just like dancing around with especially if there's a weapon involved you know Ooh. and so the only thing I, can, I can't say much about the black hammer but there is a rolling pin employed as a weapon at one point and trying to figure out like i'm like dancing around my studio with a rolling pin being like is it a thump or a thump or a whoosh? <laughs> you know? what would that make that <laughs> if you could hit the fox with the pin i know i kind of like the manky fox you know <laughs> <laughs> He's very London. Yeah, <laughs> He's probably three. a woman. Anoki <laughs> three, the manky one. <laughs> so I think we'll stick with manky. Oh, I like it. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, what is something that you love about sequential art? Uh, I think it's. I mean, there's so many things, but I think I love that you can get that motion, even though it's static. You know, it has so so much movement to it. And you think how much of comics is kind of action-based or physically-based movements, and yet it's this entirely still thing. You know, it is, you know, like animation in freeze frame. And I think it's extraordinary for that, that you can get across this entire feeling of a journey or someone 
fighting or anything like that in just such simple panels and especially when you you know look at Japanese work and that use of um, and like lines and signifiers of motion and I, I just think it's it's such a beautiful language to get across something static you know it's so inventive and there's always like someone doing something you're like ah oh, that's such a clever solution and it always it's always evolving you know it never it never no one just sticks to like one way of doing it someone always comes up with a new way of right. kind of getting something across even though it's static and yeah I think it's amazing for that now what is something about sequential art that you dislike <laughs> I mean it's the answer everybody has but it's so so hard to make <laughs> it's so badly paid for mm-hmm. the level of work and I just I wish I could make a living that I could actually live on because it's you know I love doing it uh, so it took me forever to finally find the thing that I think I not only love but I'm okay at and uh I, it's so hard to make a living and it ends up making you feel so depressed because you're like, I've spent three months on that and I'll get like 500 fucking quid. <laughs> yeah. It's just impossible to do. And especially because it, I think it's the disparity in the pay as well, because I've had a couple of professional jobs now that have added an entire digit to my page rate. Yeah. Do oh, you know? Wow. It's, you, do you know? And you're just like, that's wrong. It shouldn't be that if I'm doing something indie, it's a, digit less than Mm -hmm. doing some professional where there's less stress there's less people on your case and you know it was the the, especially one I did recently I've done a pinup and I can't say what it is yet but it's a big title and my first one I did was for 100 quid and I got a grand US for this one and you're just like how does that that's just wrong there shouldn't be that utter despair disparity between what you get paid because I probably worked at, as hard if not harder on the first one because I was trying to prove myself you know yeah. and I think that's it it's the the level of work for how terribly it's paid in the art side of it I think the writing's less less bad to be honest and you know I might be a shit writer but I, I quite enjoy the writing and I find it like not massively stressful but also, only I have to deal with how complex a panel I've written or whatever. Right. I'm not. I'm not putting that on anyone. <laughs> Whereas I, I think it's probably a lot more stressful if you're like, "How am I going to get this person to want to draw my field of horses being chased by bicycles or <laughs> a couple cool. of T Rexes?" <laughs> you know? yeah, I quite like drawing bikes, to be honest. But everyone really? else to, yeah, don't mind a horse or a bike. I'm more like, don't make me draw. A straight building. <laughs> Don't make me draw <laughs> modern art, and I'm definitely not drawing like anyone with massive tits because they just <laughs> they don't work like that. <laughs> so, you know, I've done too much life drawing. I know what real boobs are like, and that's yeah. not how they work. <laughs> uh, don't tell that to a large portion of. Uh... I know they're gonna. Those guys are gonna hate my black camera, and I am well prepared for it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, but I know Jeff doesn't entertain any of those wankers either. So you're like, you're on safe ground. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, for number five, uh, I like this one because I feel like everyone's got at least one, 
and it's what's your favorite curse word that's not actually a curse word? Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm part Irish, so all you do <laughs> is just replace a letter. So you can, you can say feck because it's not fuck. So you can say, yeah. oh, for feck's sake, and no one can tell you off, right? Um, one that I, I think it is a curse word in Ireland, but most British people don't know it, and a lot of people don't know it, unless they know any anyone Irish, is bint. And yeah. um, it's kind of a really rude thing to call a, an old woman like you. Old bint is a bit like, oh, the sort of C word in Ireland. <laughs> but <laughs> no one knows it here, so you can just use it liberally. And my dad did all the time. He's like, look at that old bint. And so it was that way of being able to swear and no one can tell you off because even like the priest isn't going to tell you off the same feck you know so you might raise an eyebrow but it's not like you've said the actual word so I think yeah the Irish are the way to go with this just find someone Irish uh, listen to what they say what was the other one oh I tell you what was we're reading this book my daughter and I it's called the midnight hour and uh it's got a family in it who the mum is this mad (laughs) Irish artist. My mum, my daughter's like, oh, look, <laughs> this is familiar. <laughs> and uh, she, anyway, her mum is a puka, which is like a malevolent animal spirit who kind of tricks it at people. So um, the dog embarking is a puka, like he's referred to as being a puka. And it's this kind of tricksy, malevolent kind of Irish spirit. Yeah. Anyway. So she goes there and she gets in a massive fight with people and she keeps calling them a wagon. Like, yeah, wagon. Yeah, wagon. And it's like, you know, I think that's an amazing thing to like slag someone off with. Like a cheat, yeah, wagon. (laughs) In stateside, uh, some people like to use the phrase jack wagon. Jack wagon. Wow, what is that? What is a jack it's, wagon? It's kind of simple. You just it's like you hunk of dumb shit. You're a jack. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing, you jack wagon? Jack wagon. Oh, I'm gonna tell my daughter that she's gonna <laughs> love it. <laughs> I've got some moth flying in my eye. It's a classy house. <laughs> so let's see, I, I got some bad news for you. Oh, the goose. Is it the gloopy guy? <laughs> well that's the thing. The gloopy guy was so thrilled that it wrote back to the goose mm. that you decided that it was going to eat chicken and chips. But the oh, goose great. is upset because that doesn't sound healthy for its well, little gloopy boy. So mm. it comes back and it eats you. And now you've been digested and you're dead and I'm sorry. That's okay. I've had a oh. good run. However, <laughs> <laughs> you go to what we perceive to be heaven. And while you're, you know, putzing around... Uh, you see this guy over in the corner, and he's wearing a like a wife beater. He's smoking a cigar. Looks really gruff. He's going crazy on a, a drafting table, and it's Jacob Kurtzberg, aka Jack Kirby, yeah. one of the Godfathers of, of comic books. What do you hope that he says to you? I hope he says, "Loose, mate. Nine panel grids are the fucking devil. Don't worry about it." <laughs> <laughs> what kind of mental person made everyone do that (laughs) you did (laughs) and you got all these people so excited about it they can't step the fuck away you know so you know me and jack are gonna have like a real genuine heart to heart and i reckon he's gonna be like i'm sorry i'm sorry to all the artists because i was really good at it and it just (laughs) i I wish i could have broken out 
but you know we all hang on that crux of the thing that people love and it's really oh. hard to like experiment and, and I'll forgive him and I'll pass him some carbon paper and go hey go nuts right, <laughs> like, I'm looking for this stuff up <laughs> yeah. here get scratching you can lend me your crazy drawing board with all the implements and <laughs> rulers I mean especially because I, I phys- even with like a ruler and one of those kind of you know level spirit level things I still can't get a straight line I just I, I think I'm physically incapable oh, no oh, I mean I just can't do it it's something like wonky about my <laughs> brain it's just like <laughs> so I really I you know I admire it as a, a skill base and I've got you know you can't not admire Kirby but yeah I mean it's some kind of madness that that goes down that kind of path as well <laughs> so you know I hope he's getting to relax a bit and is stepping away from the drawing board to be fair uh, there's we can both agree there's no way he's stepping away from the drawing board <laughs> no no he was probably will still be drawing right <laughs> Well, this was a ton of fun. Where can folks uh, find you on the socials? Uh, so I'm on most things as Lucy Sullivan UK. Uh, I just started Patreon. I'm on there as Lucy Sullivan. And yeah, come say hi. My website's lucysullivanuk.com. So sorry for the UK thing. I'm anti-Brexit. <laughs> but some woman wrote a book with using my name so it's completely registered everywhere so it's really hard to get um handles and stuff in my name that's so obnoxious i'm sorry i know marion keys <laughs> <laughs> bloody woman she seems really nice <laughs> you know? well lucy thanks so much for joining me thanks for having me it's been a blast This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit comicbookyeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit grantstoy.com or on Twitter at Grant and Stuff. What's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now 